3: Welcome to The Hotbed, Series 3, Episode 7. I'm Lisa Williams. I'm Aniky Somerville. And we are The Hotbed Collective. The collective hell-bent on making the world better, one orgasm at a time. You look shocked. Why do you look so shocked? Well, no, I was
2: pulling my face back because I just said to you before we started recording that I've started breathing really heavily and I'm worried that I'm coming across as some sort of sexual predator because basically I was listening back to one <laughs> of our earlier recordings and because obviously I think the more pregnant you are, the more your kind of lungs are getting compressed together. Mm. So I'm finding myself quite often doing heavy breathing and not mm. realising it. So if I do, it's not because I'm sexually attracted to you. I mean, I might be sexually attracted to you, but it's primarily because my lungs are a bit squashed. Thank you for the disclaimer. <laughs> also, any listeners, we don't have a heavy breather in the studio with us.
3: Heavy breathing is... I don't know if you've ever been on the other end of the phone to heavy breathing. I have. Not recommended. Really? It's horrible. I don't think, I didn't even think that people did that anymore. Yeah. What, I mean, on mobile? Hasn't happened for years. Mm. But definitely happened at my old, the house where I was growing up. We'd get people, when landlines were a thing, landlines, kids, mm. are these things that are like telephones, but they're plugged into the wall. Mm. We used to have conversations on them. Mm-hmm they didn't have any internet connection There's no texting on no screen headline. and when you had to phone a friend or or a boyfriend or girlfriend you had to speak to them mum before you spoke to them but also
2: in in our house this the phone was at the bottom of the stairs and so you'd often lunge toward that it was a point of excitement when the phone rang to, it's funny because now when the phone rings you ignore it Yeah. whereas then everyone would rush to the phone to see if it was for them mm-hmm. Um, and you also had something called one four seven one, which mm. meant that if you oh, were stalking yes. someone or in love with somebody and waiting for them to call you back, you would frantically hit one four seven one to check whether you'd missed a call from them. In the kind of maybe ten minutes that you'd walk to the shop, yeah, and come back again. And now, now obviously we don't have that because it's very easy for people to ignore us, and we know that they've ignored us. Yeah.
3: Do you remember? Um, do you remember call waiting? Yes. Call waiting was when you were on the phone to one friend and then friend two then phoned up and you could then hold one call and then speak to the other person, which was sort of earth-shattering at the time. It was Mm -hmm. such a new development. We also had
2: something, which I think I talked about before, which is called Talk About. So basically it was like a, a number that you called and you were thrown into a room with six or seven other teenagers and you could all talk at the same time and then you weren't allowed to exchange phone numbers. So basically... You'd go, oh, I'm Brett, I'm Chris, I'm Tim, I'm blah, blah. But then if you liked the sound of someone, you'd very quickly shout your phone number out and they would take it. And then, of course, they could call you. So me and my friends would set up group dates with other groups of boys that we'd met on Talk About.
3: What was it, though? What was its, like, interface? It was a party on the phone. That's how it was advertised. Yeah, but was it like a premium rate number? Yeah. Yeah,
2: so my poor dad, I think there was one... <laughs> Not only, I mean, just before, so basically there was kind of a summer where I was really into it
3: and it was very, very expensive and he would just go like, you're not on Talk about again, are you? <laughs> Did you have that game where there was like a fake telephone and then the playing cards had different boyfriends on them with their like name and what their favourite animal and colour was, etc. And then you had to like... Tend to phone them up. Oh, I've always wanted
2: that game. I had the fashion wheel. Oh, yes. Which was really good, where you got to colour in
3: different fashion outfits with pencils. Yeah. But I saw that I would have liked to have the boyfriend wheel. I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes for anyone that was born after 1990.
2: Yeah, it's probably
3: useful. It's a great game. You could probably buy it on the internet now for, like, loads of money. Oh, God, on yeah. eBay. So, today... We are talking to Megan Crabb, otherwise known as Body Posi Panda on Instagram. She has a million followers, which is maybe two or three more than us. That is a lot of followers, isn't it? It is, but there's a reason why. She lights up Instagram. I love seeing her posts pop up on my feed. She's a campaigner for body positivity, uh, hence the name, clues in the name. And she, I hope she won't mind me saying this. Uh, She writes about it in her book, which I'll also link to in the show notes. She used to have an eating disorder and she has beaten her demons and she is sharing everything that she has learnt with with us very generously. Um, and she does this by posting photos of herself and being very unapologetic about her body. She's got a gorgeous body as we all do. Everybody is a gorgeous body. And she'll post really fun fashion pictures with things like her in a lovely little gingham outfit and she will say something like thinking about all the time I wasted um and all these cute outfits that I didn't get to wear because I was waiting to get a flat stomach and she's just saying let's just wear what we want she's got beautiful hair that she's dyed all different kinds of unicorn colors she Mm. just has a lot of fun with fashion she dances she does these little videos of her dancing she looks very happy she's very clever um and she's very anti-diet culture which is what you talk to her about Mm. Are you anti-diet culture? Oh god,
2: I'm one of those people that I mean I'm lucky. I don't know how it's happened, but I've I've never I've only once done a diet. Really, and it was just after having Ray. And it worked actually, so I don't want to go completely they they are very um harmful, but for me it did work this one diet. But I've managed to not do it. I actually think I've got the opposite where I think my body is better than it actually is. So you've got reverse or, or that's Dysmorphia. sort of, sometimes I think that's true. Certainly when I was younger, it wasn't true. But as I've got older, something's happened where maybe actually it's post-40 where you get to a point where you're just like, fucking hell, I am not going to be wasting any more time. And there's also something about just finding things that you think suit you. Because mm. I think a lot of it for me was kind of trying to wear fashion that mm. wasn't really suitable for my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and And now I think I know what suits me and... I also just know that my body's not going to change very much. Mm-hmm. It's going to realistically it has a certain shape mm. and there's parameters and I don't the most harmful thing about diets I think is that they always force you to project into this future where your life will be better mm-hmm. because you've got this desired shape mm-hmm. and the, and so you always put off doing things, having fun, even having sex, you know, wearing mm. clothes, going on holiday, swimming. And um, that's well, that's it is. It put, you put your whole life on hold. Um, and I mean, I used to work in marketing. And I remember doing groups for diet products. And we would be interviewing women who were in their mid-70s and had basically been in, on diets their entire life. Yeah. So they could churn out every name. You could see the trends, you know, going from Atkins, Hay Diet, you know, 5-2, everything. Um, and it was very sad because you just thought what a waste of time
3: and money and money and energy yeah so i feel sad when i talk about this because i have been on a diet most days of my life mm. uh, since probably 12 13 years of age so even now do you watch so i am um no in in the last i'm i'm a new convert so in the last two months or so um, the body positivity movement has helped me really change how i think about mm. food and about myself um, and this is why i love accounts like hers i also love laura thomas phd mm. who is very she's sort of the anti-nutritionist the anti dietitian she knows a lot about food and food science and she will speak out for example um, in defense of processed food because Mm. she has clients that come to her who will kill themselves cooking whole food or eating healthy food and won't ever let themselves eat a pizza for example Mm. Um, and she recognises this almost as an eating disorder in itself Mm -hmm. because she said there's actually loads of advantages to processed food. A lot of them are really not much worse than what you might cook at home and once or twice a week in terms of convenience um, they're quite useful and this anti-processed food movement she sees as yet another stick with which women can beat themselves so she is amazing and has really changed how I think about food Um, Megan has really changed I also love Natalie Uh, Salmi Sunday um, Mm. because she's very into fashion and she is very into body positivity she talks about I mean she did a post recently that really blew my mind which basically said if you see me and you think I have lost weight please don't tell me I don't have scales for a reason. I'm not interested in how much I weigh. Sometimes my weight will fluctuate. I really don't want it to be commented on. Because isn't it always the way that when people first see you, they go, oh, you're looking well. You've lost Mm. those weight. And and normally I would love that if someone wants to tell me I've lost weight. But actually, why?
2: Mm.
3: You wouldn't tell a bloke, wow, like you've lost weight. And it's not just about gender. Because I know that men also suffer from body dysmorphia. Mm. But it does... I think, place a lot of value in what you look like when someone's going to comment immediately on your weight. Mm.
2: And it's an interesting one, because the other thing, I can see the next... Hopefully, I, I need to... People need to let us know if there are accounts out there, because obviously there's there's the whole movement around weight and shape. But the next step, obviously, when you get into your 40s, is, is age mm-hmm. and ageing bodies. Mm-hmm. So kind of thinking about that relentless desire to stay perky and uplifted and, you know, worrying about the shape of our boobs. Yeah. Um, And there is that natural gravitational pull, unfortunately, where everything just starts to go downwards. Um, And I feel like there is a bit of a gap in the market because... For someone my age, essentially the kind of people that are held up for me are like, it's like Iris Apfel and people like that who are in their 90s.
3: Yes, and Badass Winky, is that her name? Yeah,
2: and I love those women, but they are 40 years older than me. Yeah. Um, and I often hear people when they're talking about older women and ageing and positivity, they will throw those names out there. <laughs> and I think that's great, but that is like saying to a teenager that they've got role models who are in their 60s you know, or in their 50s, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's it's a little bit too far ahead. So I'd love to be able to, I don't know if there are, I'd love to find out about accounts that are also about that aspect. Just kind middle of, age. Middle age, yeah, we, we don't call it middle age, it's midlife, isn't it? But I think, yeah, basically just positive body representation for that, which is, is not about having to maintain youth. Mm-hmm. Because that's the other struggle, is that actually I'm probably more worried about, ageing than I am about weight
3: that we've all got our we've all got our worries haven't we yeah
2: so it's almost like it is a real it's a real it's terrible because you come out of maybe come out of the weight space and you go into the aging worries so one neurosis is replaced with another And and sometimes
3: you have both running concurrently which is also pleasant
2: yeah and there's this myth I remember someone saying to me maybe I was in an interview it's a cliche but they said you choose your face or your body So, and essentially, so, you know, you either have, and I thought, well, that's quite sad, isn't it? That we we think like that. So Yeah, I want both. I want neither, none of your business. Yeah. So you either have a a lovely face and a terrible body or vice versa. Um, But both of it implies that you're not happy with what you've got.
3: Plus, our language is so gendered and our attitudes, and that shouldn't even be a thing. But unfortunately, with value, uh, women's looks tied up in women's value, it will always be that way until we really change things. And Megan is someone who is helping us get there.
2: Well, I'm really excited today um, because we've got an absolutely stellar, amazing guest. Um, It's Megan Jane Crabb, also known, probably better known as Body Posi Panda. um, And she has about a gazillion. I mean, tell me how many followers you have. (laughs) i will be very jealous, but it's an awful lot, isn't it?
4: I mean, a, a casual million, a
2: casual million, <laughs> just like that. Um, and you're like the kind of yeah, you're the kind of Instagrammer that I look at and I just think, oh my god. Um, but the nice thing about it as well is that I love your account. There's there's people who've got a million followers. And I sort of think, how have they managed to do that? Because, mm-hmm. you know, they actually get on my nerves. Um, <laughs> but with you, I just think everything is so positive and your energy. I think the first time I actually came and was aware of you was when I saw a video of you dancing in your pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, I don't hate the shake.
2: Uh, yeah, and that, I think that went quite viral, didn't it? That was that seemed to be shared an awful lot.
4: It, it did. We've, um, as a community, we started doing these dance videos quite a few years ago. And it's just supposed to be a celebration of, of the jiggle and mm-hmm. of what your body looks like when it's moving Uh, and they resonate and they're just joyful I think we need more content on social media that's just joyful
2: Mm, it's true isn't it It it's really true I mean body positivity generally it feels like it's all over Instagram and social media but for you what does it actually mean you know as a kind of definition
4: I am I think for me body positivity at its core is About respect. It's about the fact that all bodies, not just your own, all bodies, all shapes, sizes, genders, skin colours, ages, abilities are deserving of respect. And you know, nobody in the world should be treated like they're any less than because of how their body looks. That Mm -hmm. that's what it really is. Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, what we hear a lot. We actually, when we kicked off the hotbed, we did a survey, um, and we talked about kind of sex and relationships. And I suppose we were focusing more on parents. You know, people who've just had kids. And um, one of the big barriers about, well, one of the big sort of um, areas where people were unhappy was that they weren't having the sex lives that they'd had before. And a big barrier there mm-hmm. was the way they felt about their body. And I just wanted to talk to you a bit about that, because I wondered, like, you know, the way you feel about how you look, it can have quite a big impact, can't it, on how you feel in the bedroom? And how's it how, I mean, how have you gone on that journey, you know, to, to feel good? Um, And I suppose not be one of those people that's kind of inhibited in some ways because you don't want to show your boobs or you don't want to be on top or any of those kind of things. Mm -hmm.
4: So I I truly always believed that when I had the perfect, quote-unquote, perfect body, you know, the goal weight, I would be this unstoppable sexual being. I would be irresistible, so confident, you know, ride it till the cows come home. But...
0: Food and a place to make unforgettable memories. Visit clubmed.us. Call one 800 club or your travel advisor. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
2: Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me.
1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
4: I believe that is just a very another level of the very carefully crafted image that diet culture is selling us. It is this one body type is the desirable. This one body type is sexual. And of course, we are constantly bombarded with that in all media. So if we don't look like that, obviously we are gonna feel like we can't be sexual beings and we can't own our sexuality and we can't get on top. But what was interesting to me is that actually the more weight I've gained and I'm now the heaviest I've ever been, the more sexual I am and -hmm. the more in touch with my sexuality I am. So it is truly, not about fitting that image, it is about being unapologetically in your body and also knowing that you deserve sexual pleasure in the body that you have. And I think there's also the the biological aspect of that in that actually our fat cells are partly responsible for controlling our sex drive and if you starve down your fat cells too much, you lose your sex drive. Mm. So actually fatness, jiggling, softness, all of that can be so, sensual and so in touch with our sexuality.
2: And do you think, I mean, it's funny because sometimes women can be the worst judges of other women in terms of kind of body image. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't matter how feminist we are. We've just been programmed to look at women's bodies and judge. Um, I mean, on your own kind of account and stuff, have you found sometimes you have met with resistance from women or men, actually, just saying... This is revolting. I don't want to see this. You know, this is not. This does not conform to sta- You know, my kind of standards of what a body should look like. Because I've heard, obviously, that other women have. And I just wondered, how do you deal with that? Because you're all about confidence. Mm-hmm. So how do you retain that confidence if people are throwing <laughs> tomatoes at you, I guess?
4: I mean, it happens a lot. I think if you're a woman on the internet, it's going to happen. And if you're a woman who shows her body on the internet, it's going to happen. Uh, and I... Well, I worked very hard for quite a while at taking the value out of those people's opinions and knowing that actually a complete stranger doesn't have the power to tell me who I am or how I get to feel about myself. But I think I think it's very important to note that people who body shame others, first of all, are probably deeply insecure about their own bodies. And second of all, that kind of anger that they sometimes put across of how could you accept yourself like this when you look like that, That is because they have probably invested so much time and energy and effort and probably money into following this rule of you have to have the perfect body. You have to spend this time working on your body. They have invested that much. And then you've kind of just skipped the line, gone straight to the front and said, I'm just going to be happy as I am. Mm -hmm. You think that you have to be happy by following all these rules. I'm going to take it now. And that can be infuriating and that makes them feel kind of ripped off because their investment is bogus. Uh, And I think that is where it's coming from a lot of the time. So it's easy to get angry at these people and call them trolls and and lash back out against them. But they don't know any better than what they are doing. They have been conditioned to think this way. And sometimes a a bit of sympathy towards them goes further than hating them back. Mm.
2: I mean, you talk very honestly about your own struggles with kind of eating disorders mm-hmm. and um, how, you, how you sort of got through that. And I just wondered, this whole movement, how has it helped you? Um, because, you know, you, it sounds like you were in a very dark place. And a lot of people stay in those places and, and struggle throughout their whole lives. And yet you've managed to turn it into something mm-hmm. amazing where you can influence lots of people for the better. Um, I mean, how has it helped you turn it around, do you think?
4: Well, I... I started recovery from anorexia when I was about 16, and the thing is with um, with eating disorders, especially restrictive eating disorders, professionally, if you have regained the weight that you've lost, if you've become weight restored, they're very quick to say you're recovered, like you're, you're fine now, go back into the world. The problem is that when you go back into the world, there is still diet culture everywhere, calorie counting is still normalised, people being obsessed with their body is, the norm, uh, so it's quite hard to even think like what would recovery even look like in that world because mm. that eating disorder that is still in your mind can grasp onto those things and just keep them hovering there. So for me, I started recovery at 16, but I don't feel like I truly, truly found my stride in recovery until I found body positivity at 21 and that was when I started learning, you know, why we're so obsessed with weight and why our relationships with food are messed up. And finding that, that was like the missing link for me in recovery. And that was really the thing that helped me let go of this fear of fatness that I had carried with me since I was five years old. Mm.
2: Was there a pivotal moment um, that, I'm just trying to think, for people who are listening and might be having issues with eating, and actually it could be anything from kind of quite minor things you know, people becoming very obsessive about logging everything they eat on, on apps and stuff mm-hmm. um, through to, you know, proper <clears> full-blown eating disorders. When was your kind of eureka moment where you was just like, do you know what, I've had enough of this? Because, I mean, Lisa and I were talking last week a bit about diets and saying some people be, are on diets their entire life. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the woman who is in her 65 and mm-hmm. she's still dieting. Um, how did you stop from being that person?
4: So I... am. Um I have I've been a chronic yo yo dieter for a long long time, after even after recovering from an eating disorder, and my turning point came. It was just as I had found this body positive community online, and at the same time I had hit the goal weight, and uh, this was the way I thought guaranteed will make me happy. And I was still miserable in my in my body. I could still you know tell you fifty things that I wanted to change about my body, and I remember standing in my garden with my brother and just kind of turning to him and saying i can't do this forever i i don't want to spend my entire life calorie counting and hating my body um and i realized slowly slowly realized that if it hadn't actually made me happy yet then w- why would it you know there was actually no evidence that it would ever make me happy so it was kind of either commit to doing this for the rest of my life and you know be the woman in the retirement home who doesn't want dessert because she's watching the calories or jump the other way and i had to just try it and it was scary because i think it's it's really a scary thing to let go of everything you've ever believed about food and your body but i owed myself that chance and the more i committed to doing that the more i realized that i always had deserved to give myself another chance at a different way i think for people who just who just don't feel like they can do it, who don't feel like they can stop dieting or embrace their bodies, I think the first step actually is realizing that you deserve better than spending your life hating your body and being at war with food. You have always deserved better. I mean, think about the first time you ever thought that your body was wrong or the first time you started a diet. You shouldn't have been made to feel like that was the norm and that you needed to do that. So I think that version of you deserved better, you still deserve better now, so you owe yourself a chance.
2: Mm, it's so interesting. And then we seem to be getting these this very strong culture though, which is going in the opposite direction, which is very much about this very, very narrow definition of beauty. Mm-hmm. Do you sometimes feel like you're doing an uphill struggle? Because I know <laughs> that if you, you know, I, I sometimes feel like that where I sort of think, there's so many very sort of um, narrow margins of what a woman should look like. And it's still in all our magazines and it's still on, on TV. I mean, it's still quite unusual to see bodies that look like regular bodies. Do you ever just think like, God, I can't be arsed. I mean, I'm just fighting <laughs> this losing battle. Or do you have an, a general sense that things are shifting or yeah. you have the power to shift them?
4: Um I think we, we're we seeing some small shifts, especially in the last couple of years, you know, we've seen more brands come out and say no more photoshopping, we've seen more campaigns with a diverse range of models, and don't get me wrong, that's that's not enough, that's not, you know, goal accomplished, but I think we are seeing a small shift. What I think we need to be wary of is in every small shift, we will see a very crafty pushback from the other side, uh, from the diet industry in particular. So. Just as we're all talking more about how diets suck and they don't work, Weight Watchers changes its name in America to Wellness That Works because mm-hmm. they don't want to be seen as a diet anymore. So I think we need to be on the lookout. We can celebrate the the small wins, but let's be vigilant still.
2: That's mm, so interesting, um, and it's such an. I mean, it's so it's it's all entrenched in our brains. So I was thinking, even with me, you know, after I've had the baby, if someone tells me that I've lost weight. I will be I'll be I'll be pleased mm-hmm. and I can't help that you know it's kind of but it's just the ideal state you know I've been programmed to, to think like that yeah. Let's go back a bit to kind of romance we talked a bit about sex and stuff but Thinking about kind of romantic relationships, having this sort of better, more positive image of your body, how does it impact? Have your relationships changed? Because sometimes women get partners that they think they deserve. So essentially, if they feel shit about themselves, Mm -hmm. they choose quite a crap partner because they think that's what I deserve. I'm not very good. You know, I'm not really um, able to have somebody who loves me and appreciates me for who I am. Mm -hmm. Has, Has your kind of attitude to, you know, romance and and having relationships with people changed with this whole shift?
4: Well, I've um, I've been in the same relationship uh, since before I came into body positivity. Wow. Um, so I've been with uh, the same person who has kind of seen me through the, the chronic dieting years and into the body positivity and, you know, loved me at a size eight and loved me at a size 16. So yeah, I have an uh, an interesting perspective on that. I would say that I have higher standards now, even within the same relationship, you know, I, I definitely had a very low sense of self-worth back when I hated everything about myself and my body. Um, and I would just spend night after night after night kind of crying to my partner about how much I hated my body. Mm. And as soon as I found body positivity, the the crying stopped. And I also had these higher standards of how I wanted to be treated and what I expected out of the relationship. And I'm thankful that I am with someone who kind of grew into that with me and and stepped up to the mark in that. Um, But I think it's, it's definitely a problem with feeling like we don't deserve loving relationships and also that we don't deserve the happy ending because we don't look like the girl who gets the happy ending. Um, and again, the, the same as I was saying before about the whole, which bodies are seen as sexual, the, the romance and the happy ending, that's a product of, of diet culture that we are being sold as you only get this when you look the part. And that's just not true. Like we are all so, so deserving of the happy ending and of the romance in the bodies that we have. We just need to be seeing, I think more, more diverse representations of of couples and of romantic happiness. I mean, I posted a picture, I think it was a couple of years ago now, um, on holiday with my partner, and I'm, I'm bigger than him. He's quite tall and quite slim, and I'm average height and, and a little bit chubby. And just the reaction to seeing a couple that fell outside this stereotype of what couples should look like was overwhelming. And we're not even, that's not even a drastic difference to what we see in the media we need to be seeing more of that i think so that it's not shocking and it's not you know it's not a big deal Mm. it's
2: interesting because we we've talked quite a lot about what we see on screen and on tv and I think one of the only bodies that I saw that maybe reflected anything that was close to mine was Lena Dunham when mm-hmm. she when she was on Girls. And it was quite a shock the first time I saw her. And I remember that I had a very critical gaze. You know, I really was like, fucking hell. Like, you know, the, the tummy was there. She often wears kind of pants which aren't very cool. They're kind of like <laughs> white baggy pants. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not your kind of sexy pants. And then obviously her boyfriend in that... I think in that particular episode, was quite a muscular Adam, he's quite muscular, he does bodybuilding. And the contrast between the two of them, because they'd show sex scenes, Mm -hmm. my brain was kind of unscrabbling. And I realized I was, again, it's that deprogramming. So there was something in my brain going, that's not right. Mm -hmm. That doesn't look right at all. And then I was like, wow, that's amazing. You know, That is actually a woman who comes sort of close to I think an aesthetic that women can relate to. Um, but also doesn't make any excuses doesn't kind of apologise and, and try and hold herself in or hold back. Are mm. there any other examples of kind of, have you noticed any TV shows or films? Because it's something we're always talking about is kind of popular culture mm. and how that works with body image.
4: Yeah it's it's hard because they're still outnumbered by by the usual but I mean for me Orange is the New Black has been in recent years one of, the, one of the best TV shows for actual body diversity and character diversity as well. Um, Dietland is a mm. recent show that got released that is literally about a fat woman leaving diet culture behind and learning how to embrace her body, but it's been canceled after one season. Mm. Whereas the, you know, the shows who have got terrible press for promoting disordered eating, um, what's it called? insatiable Mm. that's been green lighted for a second season. So it's again, it's um we're kind of responsible for what is getting made, what's uh what's being popular. So yeah, it's it's kind of a chicken and egg situation. You know, we'll get we'll get what we're asking for, we have to support it, but actually most of us don't realise that we are supporting the wrong things or things that are potentially damaging. Mm. That's such a good tip. Um, And then I I guess just sort of wrapping up,
2: actually, and thinking a little bit about what you're planning to do next. Um, God, I'd love to see you with like a a TV series or something. (laughs) But what? what, you've got the book, you've got the amazing account. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you sort of thinking about? What have you got planned? Another book maybe or
4: potentially i'm always i'm always so bad at answering this question because i'm not like a five-year plan kind of gal um but the the intention has always been spread the message reach the people who need it so however that turns out in the future is is good enough for me Mm
2: -hmm. well i just want to say thank you so much for coming today um i think all of our listeners are going to try some of those those tips and what i love about you is you've you've offered really grounded advice um and my worry sometimes with this movement is that it can feel a little bit trite or it can just be lots of lovely people leaping about Mm -hmm. um but i think people who are listening have got some really strong advice on things that they can do and ways that they can feel better about themselves so thanks (laughs) a lot for joining us today
4: thank you it's been wonderful
3: so Megan, Jane, Crabb, what did you think, Anarchy? She was just so inspiring. Mm. Um,
2: and I mean, I'd followed her for a while. Um, but I think just being in a room with someone like that really makes you realise that there is another choice you can make mm. to feel good about yourself. Mm. And it made me a bit sad in a way because I thought I've wasted so much time not feeling good. And yeah. this woman... Um, has managed to sort it all out yeah and
3: she's in her 20s she's in her 20s which i think is cool too and actually and i do some and i follow some body positivity accounts of people who are younger than that who were probably late teens and i think i just wish that i had that um but also you could argue
2: now because the pressure is even more intense isn't it in mm. terms of you know, body culture, and even being th- having things like we didn't have Instagram, did we, to try and compare ourselves to? Because it can be mm. a positive and a negative. Yeah. So I just think she's done really well, and I think I also admire that fact that how do you cope with all the negative feedback and trolling yeah. and stuff? And she seems to be quite open-minded and she stable,
3: is, definitely. And actually, I don't think I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, but I really recommend her book and I really recommend that people get past the cover because the cover is pink and it looks very girly and a little bit kind of possibly younger than our you know probably what our listeners age range is sorry listeners but I think it's true I think her book is designed with probably early 20 somethings in mind but it's such a good book because she has done her research it references a lot of really interesting studies and books and it really skewers diet culture Um, in a very clever, articulate way. And plus, it brings in a lot of her personal experience with eating disorders, which is really moving, really upsetting, but ultimately makes you realise what relief it must be for her to be out of that. Mm. Yeah. And for me too, now, having read the book, and I did sort of, I was starting to think this anyway, but I think she's really cemented a lot of my thoughts on it. You did say that, didn't you?
2: Because you said at the time it's made you even think about your relationship with... Your kids and
3: food and, yeah, and those how kind how of I talk elements. to them about food. The fact that I just put food as something to control and if you eat too much, you're out of control and how being bigger is a bad thing. And it's not, you know, it's just not. And walking away from it is like walking away from a cult. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how freeing it is to suddenly look, see the scales and go, I don't need to stand on them today. And that number in the little window is not going to affect whether I have a good or bad day. And I feel sad for myself that I've wasted all this time um, Mm. worrying about it. And I don't think it affects everybody. And I wouldn't say that I have an eating disorder, not like Megan. I mean, you know, I don't have anorexia. I don't have bulimia, never have. But anxiety about food and body image has definitely got in the way of me having fun. It's got in the way of me enjoying sex. It's definitely taken up real estate in my brain Mm. that I could have been using for um saving the world or well and just having more good
2: times I think yeah. we talk about um because I used to I think I we've talked about this story before but I used to really love swimming yeah and I but I I never learned to dive and I think we've even talked about this in another podcast but I never learned to dive because I didn't like my legs I and I knew that standing at the side of the pool mm. I would be seen in full body mode and yeah. so actually whenever I've got into water I've always had this manoeuvre where I have to drop my towel. Mm. And if I'm on a beach, quite often what I'll do is I take the towel all the way up to the water's edge, get in, and then keep an eye on the towel so I can come back out again. Um, But, like, think you know, just for me, it's funny because I don't feel it every day, but it's in a swimming costume. Um, And I think most women are kind of like that. It's almost like you go into the swimming costume... And you're like, Jesus Christ!
3: <laughs> <laughs> so homework for this week. First of all, it's not too late for us, for anyone listening. It's not too late to change the dialogue around food and body image and how that feeds into your relationships and your sex life. It's not too late if you have children or young people in your, that you are living with to um, talk to them about stuff. Definitely read her book. It's really inspiring. But your other homework is actually an exercise that she sets in the book. Which is about photographs and given that we are both obsessed with Instagram and don't you find that when you look at a picture of you at an event or whatever, it doesn't matter how much fun you're having at that event, you like look at it and you go, oh I've got double chin, Mm. or my face looks stupid, or I look fat. It's funny because I went on holiday with a bunch of old school friends a couple of years ago. And I was taking
2: a lot of photos of them, thinking that they looked amazing. Yeah. And I put them on Facebook, Mm. and they were mortified, and they didn't speak to me. And they said, "That's a terrible picture you've taken of me. You know, know. you can see that there's a little bit of cellulite on my thigh." Mm. But I could not see it. So it's just it's that whole thing about your perception. Yeah. So I was looking at them, thinking, "God, they look amazing." Yeah. All all my friends in their swimming costumes. And having a good time. And. All they were doing was honing in on these critical totally. details.
3: And a lot of us are guilty of that. So Megan's exercise is essentially to next time you see a photo of yourself, whether it be one you've taken yourself or someone's posted of you online, um, instead of immediately zoning in on something terrible that you have seen about yourself, just remember how much fun you were having at that, at that time that the photo was taken. So try and be a bit mindful of were you having a good Mm. time at a party was it a really nice family time were you in a good mood were you feeling happy because you'd had a lovely meal
2: or a good I shag mean,
3: or a good shag try and think about something good even if that only good thing is i like the color of my hair yeah that's a good thing and then move on move on and read the book that's your other homework so that's all we have to say for this episode Hooray! see you next week chuck out your scales in the meantime Get into your swimming costume and run around the garden. Have an orgasm. In your swimming costume. Bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict.